You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Today's guest is writer Harry Hannigan. Harry was a staff writer and a producer on Jim Belushi's show, According to Jim. Was a writer on Fresh Hell, Nickelodeon's Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures, and Dog with a Blog. He's my friend and I find him to be one of the funniest folks I know. It's one of those old school ADD conversations. We talk about the writer's journey to being staffed, the crap writers have to go through to get to the good stuff that they write, and Harry's white noise, white noise. That's not a typo, it's a Harry thing. What a blast. We'll talk to you at the other side. What's your web series? Uh, I did a web series. Uh, you did or do? You did. did. Uh, it was called uh, Fresh Hell. Oh, yeah, right. Was, With um, all those guys, the Transformer yeah. guys. Uh, right? Yeah, well, it was mostly Brent Spiner, mm-hmm. uh, data from Star Trek, uh-huh. uh, where he played an actor named Brent Spiner. Right. Who used to be on Star Trek. Right. I remember uh, that. Right. But it was, uh, he had lost everything in something we just referred to as the incident. Uh, and it was him sort of like starting over in Hollywood and going back and doing all the... How many did you do? We did 15. We did... Uh, Five the first season, and we spent like literally like eight hundred bucks, mostly on food, uh-huh. uh, and it looks like it. And then, so we said, okay, let's do a season right. So I wrote ten, you know, good solid episodes. I thought, uh, and we spent ten thousand dollars, and we gave it all to a production designer who made it look like we spent a hundred thousand dollars because he was really good, a guy named Greg Aronowitz. And uh, especially there's there's one uh, where they go to see this Indian billionaire. And his office. We wanted to make his office just over the top. Uh, so we he did uh, set extensions in Photoshop, which you know costs nothing. Right. Like two hours in. So Photoshop. set extensions are you, you get. You, it, <laughs> so set extensions. So would it's be, like if you took these walls that we have uh-huh. uh, and you just erased in Photoshop the ceiling and built them up like another forty feet. <laughs> so we did that, and and then I, I said, can we get like swans, like a, a flock of swans? He's like, yeah, we can do that. So we had a flock of swans. Just circling in the office. Uh, but it looked like, you know, it looked like we spent a lot of money, but we didn't. I, I love the idea of can we get a flock of swans? Yeah. Because uh, when I, was, I was talking to somebody the, the other day, and I got really excited about the idea of, of being nonlinear, mm-hmm. of, of just, um, I have an idea, and somebody goes, I can do that. Uh, and you go, I just had that idea. It's like, fucking, we live in a time right yeah. now where you want to have a flock of swans and you want to have an 18-foot fucking ceiling hovering over your head. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. And what it also does is, is it allows you to think wider. Yes. To imagine wider. Yeah. Uh, that's like what's so great about digital stuff is like, before, I'd be like, well, that's impossible. And right. now it's like, ah, oh, that's going to take like three hours. <laughs> swans? You want a 30-foot ceiling and swans? Yeah, that's, that's three hours work. Right? And it's well, so well, interesting, too, because yeah. that's a learning curve. And it's like, you know what? I did a swan for a bunch of guys. So, uh, you know, I, there's no reason why I can't have dogs. Flying dogs. <laughs> Flying swan dogs. Yeah. Flying swan dogs in a purple sky. What <laughs> yeah. is that idea? Oh, oh! I was talking to um, I know it was it was uh, um, Karen Gracci who was here yesterday, mm-hmm. and she is uh, an assistant to Gabriel Garcia Marquez's son, oh. Rodrigo Marquez, or could be Rodrigo Gabriel. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he, she was talking. We're talking about magic, magical realism, mm-hmm. uh, and the idea of. 
you think of something what's adjacent to that, you know, you come up with an idea what's adjacent mm -hmm. to that, and the only thing stopping you from, from saying that doesn't work is you saying that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, that's watching Birdman made me think that. You know, because that, it starts off with him hovering, so you're like, okay, so we're not in the exact real world. <laughs> but, you know, everything, I thought everything worked in that, and I was, uh, I was just back east for my cousin's 50th birthday, and I was talking Where, about, where's back east? Uh, they're off in Philadelphia, but mm -hmm. uh, my cousin lives just outside of D.C., so mm -hmm. we met in D.C. Uh, and uh, they were asking me, that was like the movie... Because, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the Hollywood cousin. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, you so right. Birdman, it was terrible, right? I'm like, right. no, it wasn't terrible. It uh -huh. was fantastic. It was one uh -huh. of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, so we went back and forth in that. But uh, uh, for people, like, that's one of those movies, and, and I think this is something, like a danger uh, of, of magical realism, is that you think you're missing something. You're like, I don't get this, so you can't enjoy the rest of it. Right. Like, I don't you're know what this metaphor means. Well, you're, you're right, you're right. You're putting it all together going, this has to mean something as yeah. opposed to, no, it doesn't have to mean anything no, at all. Just... And, and that's what Karen was saying because there's a book, uh, A Hundred Years of Solitude, yeah. that he wrote. And I, I started it. Hold for applause. <laughs> Anybody? I started it and then I went, fuck that book. Yeah. Because there's 150 people named Jose Aureliano in that book. Yeah. Literally <laughs> 150 Jose Aurelianos in that book. And, um, yeah, that and, and what Karen said was she just said, and it's the same thing that I did with the uh, with the Matrix. What Karen said, she went, you know what? I like the rest of it. I'm just gonna go mm -hmm. and fuck it. I'm not gonna have to go to the front of the book where there's a you know the the, the family right. tree, mm -hmm. and there literally is a family yeah. tree that runs three pages long. That's asking a lot of your reader, I think, too. But if you but it, but then again, your reader is your reader. Mm -hmm. Your reader, like that, whoever's reading that is is whoever. I don't know where the Venn diagram, where that, in the middle of that Venn diagram, where mm -hmm. people who read Fifty Shades of Grey and people who read Magical Realism, yeah. I'm sure that there are. Some overlap. Yeah. Some overlap. I'm sure that they do overlap. But yeah. uh, to say, fuck it, I'm just going to go. Because The Matrix was that way with me. I was like, yeah. uh, wait, okay, there's that guy there, and there's a the guy over there, and now he's, 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 he's hovering in the air. Same hovering thing. Yeah. <laughs> if hovering. somebody's hovering, yeah. you know there's going to be somebody like me sitting there going, okay. Uh, at the end, at some point in that movie, there was a tipping point where I just went, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love The Matrix. And what I loved about it was the first time I saw it, I was, you know, I thought, well, it's going to be another Keanu Reeves movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll go. And I went and I... You know the first uh, uh, sort of bullet time thing in the in that cold open with the Trinity. Uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be different, right? Uh, so then I enjoyed it, uh, but as like Neo, you know. But the second time, I already knew what was happening, so I kind of enjoyed it as Morpheus because he, you know, he's got it. He already knows what's going on. So that's like, interesting. Oh, yeah. But if you don't get it at the first time, you're going to go, all right, I'm just watching it for pretty. That's mm -hmm. all that I'm watching it for, for pretty yeah. and like, oh, but how did they do I that? Mean, that was uh, a good movie for that because there was a lot of. There was so many, of, so yeah. much of it, so much of it, yeah. And there's so much of like, oh look, 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 and and yet when people people will say, and you want to watch my eyes glaze over, explain it to me, <laughs> fucking explain the movie to me, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly I'll go, uh, okay, all right, what? Yeah, okay, I hate right? the worst things people who follow you around parties like, no, if you just listen, I'm sure I can make you like this movie that I think. I saw um, <laughs> with, uh, with Susie, your wife Susie Nakamura, I saw... Hold for applause. Hold for applause. Uh, we saw Jacob's Ladder. I believe that oh, Susie's yeah, yeah. with me. 
when I watched Jacob's Ladder. Uh, we saw it in Chicago. And um, fuck that movie. Yeah. Fuck that movie. <laughs> fuck that movie. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where you go, what's happening? Now what's happening? Now what's happening? It's over. Fuck you. <laughs> That's how I felt. We saw Tomiko the Treasure Hunter. Uh-huh. Did you see that? No. Uh, it's, it's based on an urban myth of a, a Japanese girl who thought Fargo was real and went to... They found her dead in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And they thought the urban myth grew up that she had thought Fargo was real and went to find the money. So they made a movie as if... It was this, a documentary? It's lonely, lonely... No. Mm-mm. It's this... Uh, it's, it's a you know a fiction film about uh, this very lonely Japanese girl who goes to... North Dakota. North Dakota and... Uh, on a hunt. Dies. Uh, but it, to me, it was like two hours. Susie liked it very much. And it was good to look at. But it was like... Two hours of watching a child running back and forth across a freeway, and you're thinking, somebody stop and help that child, and then the child dies in the end. Wow. So that's not an enjoyable experience to me. <laughs> but a lot that's of, what I was experiencing. But I also feel that way about um, uh, what's, the, what's, uh, what's um, Al Gore's documentary, uh, 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 a, a, a Sacred Truth. A, no, a, a Convenient Truth. A Convenient Truth. Inconvenient. Inconvenient Truth. I don't need to see that movie. No? No. The Cove? Don't need to see that movie. Yeah. I understand what that is. I get it. Yeah. I don't need to be walked through the horror that is that which I think it is going to be, which is probably what it's going to be. Yeah. We, uh, I grew up in Oklahoma and there was, one of our field trips, there's not much to do in Oklahoma, so one of the field trips was a slaughterhouse. Right. And my parents were like, no, no, we don't, we don't need the boy to go to the slaughterhouse. No. Do they call it a slaughterhouse or do they call it the abattoir? Uh, I think they call it a slaughterhouse. The slaughterhouse. Although I like abattoir. Right. Um, <laughs> my favorite Second City title ever was um, Slaughterhouse Five Cattle Nothing. <laughs> That's good. It's the best title. That is good. Aside from uh, Mick Napier's uh, uh, the, An Annoyance Theater show, which is called Your Butt. It's called Your Butt. Your butt? Your butt. And it was, uh, so you got to say things like, I saw your butt. I was, you know, mm-hmm. I was in your butt. My sister was in your butt. They closed your butt. Uh, your, your butt got five stars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm raving about your butt. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I don't need to, uh, are, you a, are you a documentary watcher? Yeah. I, I, I like documentaries. Uh, I'm actually going to watch uh, Frontline last night. had a thing on uh, CIA torture and all that stuff. So I'm going to watch that. See, there's uh, another one. Yeah. But... But I also, I, you know, yeah, well, you, you've seen me scream on online. I don't know that I need anything more to scream about. Yeah. I think I've got. I think my scream card yeah. is pretty full. You're, you're topped off. <laughs> I'm topped off. I'm topped off. I think if you had any conservative friends who were on your Facebook page, they'd probably give it up on you by now. I have had today. I because uh, I'm all topped off in friends. Uh-huh. I've got five thousand friends, and somebody asked me because I was in Utah, and they're very lovely there, and somebody wanted to be my friend, and I was like, mm-hmm. kind of topped off, and. Facebook, it came up like, oh, this person wants to be your friend. I'm like, all right, I'll see what happens. So I clicked on it, and he became my friend. Oh. Which meant somebody unfriended Somebody dropped off. <laughs> it's going to happen with 5,000. It's going to happen with 5,000. It's going to happen with 5,000, especially where I'm going, fuck religion. Yeah. Plus, you don't filter at all. No. You're like, this upsets me, and everyone in the world is going to know this. Exactly. Upsets. That so. is really true, too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, because there's some people that really nuance it, and I just, I don't know how to nuance it. Mm-hmm. I just, not that I don't know how I don't want to yeah there's a difference yeah the creative process for me 
is no, just get the fuck to it. Yeah, and I, th I think that's, I mean, I admire people who do that because I don't. I, because I have so many friends in Oklahoma. I have friends who are actual creationists. And mm -hmm. that, I mean, I don't, those people I, 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 I draw the line on. I'm like, look, I'm not gonna, it's, it's clearly you're just sticking your head in the sand because it's, it's science. But how do you, and, and for me, I feel like, how do you talk to those, I mean, really, yeah. how do you talk to those people? How, just knowing that Small whatever words. it is you're gonna say, what's that? <laughs> Small words. Small words. Small words. Small words, right. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, it is hard. It's uh, really, I mean, and that's my nice challenge. people. I mean, they're very nice people. Most Christians I know are really, really nice people. It's mm -hmm. just that when they get into, uh, yeah, it's just that uh, you can't love another person of your same gender. That's not love. It's like, well, yeah, it is. You know, and you just have to say, you're not looking at this correctly. But And, and so what gets me in that situation is how, how, how did you get to that point? Yeah. Like, you know, first off, how did you get to that point? And second off, do you need to not talk to anybody or spread your word to mm -hmm. anybody or have any children? Because what's <laughs> happening right yeah. now is, I, maybe it's because I'm, I, maybe it's because I'm, I'm not sticking my head in the sand, I'm sticking my head in the furnace and going, come at me, fire! <laughs> um, because I really feel right now that we're at and, and I bet every generation has thought this, we're at a tipping point. Mm -hmm. Something happened, something, it's a crazy fucking time where we have not been more bifurcated. Yeah, and I think- We're creation of friends. I could be getting it wrong. I don't know they're gonna know what that means, but, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I don't think we can be more bifurcated than we are right no, now. No, and I think that's because of the way, like you can always find, it used to be there was like Walter Cronkite and uh, Tom Brokaw, and they would tell you the news, right. the news, the news. But now you go find your own news, and you find the sites like, oh, the, yeah, I'm gonna. This must be true because this is what I already agree with. Right. You find your news. It's yeah. not the news. Right. You find your news. Right. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. It's like oh, I don't want to. You know, I make myself read National Review. I make myself uh, go to those spots, and it's like. And what really makes me mad is like, you know what? They got a really good point. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they, happens. sometimes they do. Yeah. And and that's. But a lot of what I, a lot of what I'm doing is I'm. I, this is what I want. This is what I want. Explain it to me. Mm -hmm. Change my mind. That's yeah. what I want. Please change my mind. Mm -hmm. Change my mind and and explain to me how, you know, whatever. You're a gun owner, but you never bit. You bitch about somebody taking your guns away, but you don't bitch about how come that asswipe put a a, a gun in her purse that's loaded and then left the person the shopping cart so her kid could, mm -hmm. like, explain to me how that person has a gun. But explain it to me in a way where I'm gonna go, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Mean, <laughs> no, I know. It doesn't make sense, I mean, the argument is the fact that 300 or 3,000 or whatever the number is, children die a year from gunshot wounds is the price I'm willing to pay so that I can have my five guns. <laughs> right. That's what right. it was. That's to. exactly what it is. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, fine. W uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, we're not going to solve that. No, we're not going to solve that. But but I'm I'm not I'm not engaged in this conversation to go. Let's solve that. I'm engaged <laughs> in this conversation to say to say, please, someone, help me understand why that's mm -hmm. okay. And because we're not going to solve it, because I I can either keep going to Furnace Town and let the fires hit me, yeah. or I can pray that one day pray. 
I could pray. I'll say pray. I already said it. <laughs> pray that one day someone is going to go, oh, let me explain it to you this way. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, okay, fine. Yeah. Oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think the danger now is that people, it was always, we could agree on science, you know, because it's, that's the whole point of science is that it's a fact. don't matter. Yeah. It's true whether you believe it or not. It's just true. Uh, but now it's getting to a point where people are saying, well, science doesn't agree with me, so let's outlaw the science. That's what's happening. Yeah. Let's make it so with that climate you, change you, in Florida and, and I think North Carolina did it too. Oh, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin, as far as I know, Wisconsin and Florida both mm-hmm. went, you know what? Shut up. No more science. Yeah. No more science. And they're saying Shut that up. to NASA. Yeah. Like, you know right. what? You guys are really good scientists and people believe you when you say things, so stop talking about climate change. Exactly. Let's keep just keep the rocket thing going. Yeah. yeah keep going the I rocket time. Like the rocket thing. Exactly. <laughs> keep rocketing it up. But uh, what you're you saying. And it's like, yeah. oh, that'll make it go away. Yeah. And when it comes to improvisation, you know, I'll, 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 uh, I will get a group of people in a room mm-hmm. and I will do this soft focus thing where it's like, just listen to the sound of nothing. Just mm-hmm. hear the sound of nothing. And now put... Now listen to the things that are in the room or that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. I just t- take inventory of it. And someone will say, and I'll say, okay, fine. What'd you hear? And someone will say, I heard birds chirping and I heard the lawnmower going off. And I'll say, anybody hear a noise? And someone will say, oh, yeah, yeah, the, um, the air conditioning. I was like, that's a noise? Why is that a noise? Why is that a noise and not a sound? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. and they go, oh, but well, well, it's a noise because... Then they can't explain why it's a noise, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to sound. Yeah. It's a noise because it bothers them. Yeah. yeah. So what they say is they call it a noise and they put it in a box called noise. Right. And then they put that noise box aside, and it just keeps you calling it a noise mm-hmm. and putting it in the noise box doesn't make it go away. Right. It also makes it so that it's now special, mm-hmm. and now yeah. it bothers you in, in in a box. Yeah. It bothers you in a box. So people saying don't say that doesn't make it go away mm-hmm. people say oh I'm not going to I'm gonna pick my own news doesn't make it go away yeah it just makes everyone mad at the other side right <laughs> right it's like why can't you just go to my news site and then think like me exactly exactly and I and I'm like oh and I know I lost a friend and a dear friend of mine unfriended me mm-hmm. and then I was like oh I haven't heard from him in a long time when it's happening with him and I went, and it's like we weren't friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And I sent him an email going, what's happening, dude? Mm-hmm. I thought we were friends. And then he sent me a friend request. He goes, we're always going to be friends. It's like, really? <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> sounds, sounds like you're getting sensitive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 I look at all that stuff, and I go, it bothers me. It bothers me, but I get to be, I get to be aware that it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about the improv. Do you yeah. do the same thing? When you teach a class, a new class, do you start the same way, or do you like feel them out? And, and no, I always start the same way because yeah. if you're coming to my class, you're not the boss of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you also, signed away that right by what's by, that? You signed away that right by joining. The exactly, class. exactly. Yeah. Here's another thing: whatever it is that you've known prior to walking to my class, mm-hmm. leave it alone. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need. To, you don't need that because mm-hmm. I'm not going to deal with any of that stuff. All the improv rules do not apply in my class. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but the thing like, don't talk about someone who's not there, talk about someone who's not there. Yeah. But just know that you're doing it. Right. right? And know how to do it. Right. Um, you want to ask a question? Here's the thing. Realize there are no such things as questions in an improv scene or in any scripted piece. Mm-hmm. It's all text in order for you to hear the tone. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? It's like, okay, that's not a question to be answered. That's a tone to be responded to. Mm. Right? So you answer the question, it's all over. So all those things, 
the game of the scene, the who, the what, and the where. I don't mm -hmm. give a fucking rat's ass about any of that stuff mm -hmm. because we start the scene with me looking at you in that shape, doing that gesture, and mm -hmm. saying, that's the, that, right? You don't even know that you're doing it. No. So I get to notice that you're doing it, mm -hmm. and then I get to play with, I get to play against that. So that's what, that's that's what happens. That's fun. Well, it's really, really fun. And I also, it, it, what also happens is people don't think anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm watching people not think. I'm also watching people have epiphanies. That's great. Yeah. That must be fun. It really is fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the, greatest, the greatest satisfaction is watching somebody go, wait, what do you mean? I, oh, 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 I get it now. Yeah. And da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, right, okay, good, good. Yeah. I remember uh, when I first started taking improv, I, I really thought I was gonna have to quit because I was, I thought you get better, like a gentle slope. Like every week you get a little bit better at improv, but that's not the case. You flatline, for like two or three or eight weeks and you pull your hair out and you're like, I'm not, I suck at this. And then something makes sense, you jump up and you're like, oh. And the first time that happened to me was I was in a uh, Stan Wells class. Yes. And uh, Who's like a mentor to you guys, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, he was the director of the Transformers. Yeah. He's up in Seattle now, but he's. Right. Uh, he's, he was a really good, good guy. Uh, I talk like he's dead. He's, no, he's, he's not, but, he's, but he's, he's a good director, a yeah. good, good teacher. But uh, he had a great class. Uh, when I first started going there, like Conan O'Brien was in that class, Lisa Kudrow, I was, you know, it was like the tall, lanky guy and the girl that was on Mad About You, but uh, at the time, but they became big right. uh, But right. there was a writer named Robin Schiff who was very funny. We were doing a scene, and what we got was, okay, Harry, you and Robin are uh, parents, and your daughter's bringing home a boyfriend for the first time. Very simple, straightforward. So, being a terrible improviser at the time, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll make some joke about the roast, or you know, I was thinking of jokes in my head. Scene starts, and she grabs me by the lapels and said, "We have to make this work. This is a starting point for us to do a scene from." Exactly. And that, that, after that, I was like, "Okay, I, I can do this. I can do this improv thing." So, oh, that's really good. Is that the same thing with writing? Yeah, I mean, if you find the way into the scene, or it's also the game of the scene and, and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, I just wrote something that I, I, I turned in, and I, I it was like a document on. on this show will be this, and it's like uh, the log line and that kind of thing. But I always like to write like a scene too, mm -hmm. just to get. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So do I wrote, people expect that? I don't know if they do or not. I don't think they do. Uh huh. But that's that's. I think, I think it, that's, that you do that. What you want to do is give them the idea of the show, and I think tone is key to that. And I think you can't do that without. So, just to show the relationship, this guy he's like a Wolf of Wall Street guy, and he's just getting out of jail. And he literally is walking out of jail with a duffel bag, and he hears a honk, and he looks over, and it's his ex-wife. And she pops the trunk, so he throws it in there, and he sits down in the car and says, I wasn't expecting, and she cuts him off and says, I need a favor. Right. So just those two lines, it's like, okay, that's, I've shown this relationship, and hopefully people will. Right, it go, pulls oh. you the fuck in. Mm -hmm. And it also says this, which I really love, which is, don't solve the problem. No. Make a problem. Yeah. Make a problem. And we're so uncomfortable with the making of the problem. Yeah. But, and that's what a lot of people, like when you're pitching, people are, are like, but we want to show that he's a great guy. It's like, no, we want to show that he's a great guy, you know, episode two or three. Right. But we want to establish the badness of him. You yeah, know, or, yeah, or, yeah. Or whatever it is. But they, they kind of want to, they want to see the whole arc of the show in the first episode. And you're like, I don't, I don't think that's I'm, a smart way to go. Did you, did you watch Mad Men? Yeah. Did you see the end? Yes. Uh, my friend Evan 
Arnold, I said, my I friend. Know. I haven't talked to him in a while. But I know. But I, I, saw, him. I, I saw that too. And I'm like, that's fucking Evan Arnold. Yeah. And I, I was like, so fucking happy for him. Yeah. And it, 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 we should I'm, say so, that he's the guy who did the monologue at the end that Don came Yeah, 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 yeah. For those spoiler, 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 yes. spoiler alert. <laughs> if you did not see it, uh, let's give you uh, let's give you three minutes so we can talk about it. So I'm gonna check the clock. So <laughs> so right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're 23 minutes into it, 24 minutes into it. But um, uh, but Evan Evan Arnold. I mean, I just want to take a moment to go. Evan Arnold. Helen Slater was in that mm-hmm. episode. Um, uh, it was pointed out to me. Um, Brett and then Gilman. Re- what's that? Brett Gilman. Yes. Yes. Very right. Funny. Right, and the prior uh, episode who had a couple runs was uh, Rich Hutchman, who I know from Chicago. Um, but anyway, the arc of that, the arc mm-hmm. of that, we've got a couple more minutes to talk about it. The arc of that story where you go, oh, the fucking ending of mm-hmm. that, of him, I feel so bad talking about it, but we already said spoiler alert, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So of, of Don sitting there, um, at the at the end of the earth, mm-hmm. at the other side of the country, right, doing what he like when his wife brought home revolver, mm-hmm. and he didn't even want it. He heard that was noise, the Beatles' revolver, mm-hmm. and now he's essentially a George Harrison acolyte in yeah. Big Sur, yeah, and going look at the fucking arc of that, right, and that's the that's I thought it was a great great ending for the series because it was about the sixties. And how it started, you know, it's like what we would now call misogynist, anti-Semitic, uh, all those things. Right. It was it was the white man's club, and ending with you know I would like to teach the world to sing, like every nation coming together right. as one. Right. You know, that's right. The vision of the future. Right. Uh, and that's that's the arc of of the '60s. Is it used to be the white man's club, and then at least the intention was by 1970. That no, we're all in this together. And another thing was, it was corporate. Yeah, it wasn't Joan Baez or whatever whoever right. would be singing in 1970. It wouldn't be Joan Baez, but whoever would be the equivalent of that in mm-hmm. 1970. It was a fucking Coke commercial. Yeah. So it was phony baloney. Mm-hmm. That yes, it was phony baloney. We're all gonna be the corporate version of exactly the corporate version. Yeah. The corporatization of the concept of let's all get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing full well at the base of that, everybody in Coke was going "fuck Pepsi, let's kill them all." <laughs> let yes. God so, let yeah. God sort out the Cold War. Yeah, you can't you can't get a Pepsi in Atlanta. Did you know that? You can't. No, that's what I'm told. I've actually never been to Atlanta. But. Um, I was in Utah, which is the Pepsi. It's Pepsi. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 hmm. yeah. Where you, you you end up having to go if you say I want a Diet Coke, you realize soon realize go can I have a Diet Cola. Mm-hmm. A diet cola, and then you're starting to sound like somebody from a television show yeah. who didn't want to commit yeah. to uh, standards product and practices. Want to? Don't exactly. want to? No, no, no. We're not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We're not sure what we're going to do there. But at the end, but I, you know, go, going through that arc and going through the arc of, and again, let's talk about. Uh, I think we we have to end that. So, and we're back. Oh. Okay. Um, uh, but now let's talk about Breaking Bad. So mm-hmm. you talk about the arc of that too. Susie and I went to uh, this thing. She, she's in Dr. Ken now, so Sony Yeah, Yeah, talk to you and your family. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sony Television had an uh, international screening thing where international people got to meet the stars of the show. So all the and Breaking she's Bad, Asian, so fucking people, they must have loved her. They do. And also she's in a show with Ken Jeong, so right. as a couple, they, yes. they were beloved by... But they were beloved by everyone. Like the Germans and everybody came over. Well, the Germans, because 
they got a history with the Japanese. <laughs> Let it go, Dave. Let it go with the Germans. Jeez. Uh, but all the Breaking Bad people were there. Uh, and uh, all the uh, Better Call Saul people were there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, an actor... Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to tell the story because it's not my story. It's his story. But it was, it was so great to see them in real life uh, because I was such a fan of that show. And at the end, Jonathan Banks came over and was doing a bit with, uh, with Ken. Jonathan Banks. Uh, it played Mike on Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tough yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he is like a, he's kind of like that in real life. He's like, hey, what are you doing over right. there? Right. Oh, yeah, uh, how could you fake that? Yeah, but he was, uh, oh, he was doing Mike. a bit with Ken about how Ken's not really funny. Mm-hmm. He's made, he made me laugh a couple of times, but I was, you know, I'd been sick. I was a little weak. My immune system was down. But you're not a funny man, Ken. It was, it was really great. I, I, at first, the thing about, um, God, we're talking about television. The, uh, with Better Call Saul, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then I realized, oh, this show is about being a lawyer. <laughs> and I went, okay, I accept it. Uh-huh. It's about being a lawyer. Yeah. Right now, it's about being a lawyer. Yeah. That's essentially what the show's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's also about being, you know, morally ambiguous and... and, and Knowing that you should do the right thing, but then you can't really find a reason why. I know. And also looking at the actors that they have in that. Uh, Michael McKean. Michael McKean. Yes. Yeah, shut up, shut up, shut up. He was there right. last night, too. Oh, Michael McKean? Yeah. Of course he was. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, everyone is shorter than you think. Everyone is shorter than you think. Um, do you tell your Oklahoma people that? Where they go, hey, yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Hey, Hollywood, I think I, I, I think they like to hear that. It's like, ah, that's why. I'm too tall. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I haven't been discovered yet. <laughs> Uh, are you familiar with, with the Tom Waits song "Going Out West"? No. Um, it's just fucking rocking I song. Like it's like uh, he's I just going out west. It's like uh, uh, it's essentially about this grizzled guy mm-hmm. uh, going out west to be a TV star, and that's <laughs> what it is. Um, and when I think about it, like I'm thinking going out west, I'm going out west when the wind blows cold. Oh. Going out west where the wind blows calm, Tony Franciosa used to date my mom. That's the fucking awesomest of rhymes. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I can't work, work Tony Franciosa into anything. No! I've no, tried. Going out west where the wind blows calm, Tony Franciosa used to date my mom. Um, uh, uh, gonna get some money, they're giving it away. They're giving it for free. Uh, but it's, it's one of the things where you go, you're going out west. Where's out west? Mm-hmm. If you were if the narrator saying he's going out west, where's out west? I'm thinking it's Oklahoma. Hmm. Now I'm thinking it's Oklahoma. Maybe. I always think of out west as here. as California. But if he says he's going out west, because the, where is he now? Oh, yeah. He might be Oklahoma. He might be Oklahoma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, when you came out here, when did you come out here? 1991. You've been out here for a long time. Yeah. Longer, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Uh... I'm happy to say now. So I consider myself a Californian. I get it. But I came out here in 95, January 95, and I have loved it. Yeah. I had, At first I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll go back to Chicago. And then you go back to Chicago, you're like, what? Especially yeah. if you go back in January I or February. I know, we went in January. It's like, oh, Lauren and I went in January. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. But I, I love it here. And what I also realized, and this is what Dave Holmes said yesterday on the podcast, he said, you can make it here. If mm-hmm. you, and he also said, if you're, if you're, who else said this? If you're not making it here, something's wrong with you. <laughs> and I thought that was really an interesting thing. Yeah. It's your problem if you're not making it here. Yeah. I mean, this is where people come to work to work at their, what they want to do. 
and create themselves. Right. And they don't do that where they're from. No, and it's also, if you're here thinking that you're going to have the career that somebody else has, mm -hmm. that job's already taken. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people have a really fucking hard time with it. Yeah. Is they go, oh, that happened for that guy. I'm like that guy. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're nothing like that guy. Yeah. The big eye-opener to me was, because uh, I was out here for 10 years before, I, I mean, not starving, but, mm -hmm. you know, scrimping. Right. Bye. Uh, and then I got the job running for Jim Belushi's show. Right. According and I thought, Jim. yes. And I thought, okay, I'm done. I've, I've, I've crossed that line. Mm -hmm. I'm now on the other side of it, and I can relax. Right. Uh, and I worked for Belushi's show for six years, six seasons. And I bought a house. And I the whole time I was like, I'm on the other side of that line. And then uh, I left the show, and nothing happened for two years. And I was like, oh, my God. There's you, no finish line. Were you panicking? Uh, I was starting, like the first year, I was like, this is great, because I'll write what I want. And uh, I wrote a screenplay, and I wrote a, uh, a one-hour sci-fi comedy. Right. Nobody makes one-hour sci-fi comedy, so that didn't... Well, the idea of an hour, an hour comedy... Yeah, well, it was more like an action... Got comedy. it. It was more like Chuck, kind of. Uh-huh. Uh, but a little more high-techy. Didn't somebody just do a show where it's like, an hour-long comedy of a half-hour show, and it's an hour long? I forgot what the fuck it was. But it was like, oh, that's groundbreaking. Yeah. Why, why would that be groundbreaking? I don't know. But yeah, Network. I mean, people, there's, there's boxes that you put things in, like you said. And one of them is comedies go in half hour. Right. And dramas go in one hour. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I had this idea and I thought, so it got me meetings. People were like, oh, we really like the script. It's not for us. Right. But we like the writing. So that helped a lot. But, uh, and that's kind of where I am now because I just ended, uh, I was working on a show called Dog with a Blog. Mm -hmm, right. For Disney, and that ended uh, right around Thanksgiving. How many episodes of that? Uh, I worked on the last season, so uh, 24. Uh, animated? No. Uh, it's uh, live action, but the dog's, dog's mouth is digital. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Right. And that was an interesting experience, because I'd never worked on a show with, with that much special effects, because there were special effects. Uh, and, there, and it's also there's a dog. Uh, what was amazing was the kids were like, one take, boom, they nailed it. But the dog, you know, was... Uh, how they did, did that was, like, really interesting because they, they just, you know, they wanted the dog... Uh, the head to go up and down, you know, so it looked like he was talking and gesturing and yeah. was alive behind the digital... And it was, it was really good. But the, in the editing process, uh, that's... You have to make concessions to the shots that you're... You know, you have to go in knowing what shots you... Because it's expensive to animate. So you have to edit it without the, the stuff in there. Edit without the stuff in there. What stuff? The, the, the fake Got it, got it, mouth. got it. Got it. Okay, fine. Uh, and then send it off to me. But uh, it, it showed me, I learned a lot about, you know, where do you play the laugh? You know, whose face? Got it. Like you and I are doing a scene. You do the joke. Do I play the, the laugh on your face or do I cut to, me, to my reaction? Right, that? right. And, and that's stuff you don't think about when you're writing so much. You think, oh, I'll just write the funny lines but post-production is a big part of, of what makes comedies work uh -huh. and that was what I really learned on top of the blog that's so awesome yeah because it says you, you can watch a show and go something's wrong here mm -hmm. and what's wrong here is the editing's wrong yeah and 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 you're not you're I wonder what what's the rule of thumb with editing like is there a, a sentence that goes if it bleeds, it leads, or whatever that <laughs> sentence is going to be, 
you, you know what I mean? Like, is there is there a catchphrase where they go, well, you know what they say in editing? Uh, there probably is one, but I can't think of it. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. Yeah. I bet there is one where people go. You didn't do the catchphrase? You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you didn't go, if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously this leads and it's bleeding and why aren't you leading with that? Or whatever that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Like follow laugh or look at the guy or whatever the fuck it's going to be. Yeah. Because I, what gets me about so much, because I've done a lot of shorts and I will do shorts and I'll look and I'll think, this is going to be crap because your sound guy blows. Mm. Yeah. Uh, on our web series, I was the sound guy for two of the episodes, and those were the worst episodes because of that. Uh, because if you're were not you paying guy? people... You were the uh, boom mic guy? Yeah, and also the sound mix guy. Oh, guy with the guy with the holster of sound. Yeah, uh, because if you're not paying people, you can't say, no, you can't take that paying job. You have to stay here and do this for free for me. Right. You have to say, good luck, great. Uh, come back whenever you're, you're done, and I'll cover for you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there was one that I was like, mm-mm, no, no. I, I can't listen to that. I would rather have it be a scratchy looking thing mm-hmm. than for me to go, oh, yeah. I didn't fucking hear that. Because that's a bold editorial choice if, you're, if your uh, cinematography is crap. It's like, oh, exactly. wow, he's really risky. Oh, Dave, he's so artsy. But if the sound is crap, he's like, oh, this is just a terrible production. <laughs> These people don't know what they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. They don't know what they're doing. Or oh, they hired the writer is now the sound guy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and and for me, I, 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 and I could always tell. I could tell right off the fucking bat. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I memorized my lines. Yeah, I'm hitting my mark. Yeah, I, I brought my own clothes. I'm really happy with where <laughs> that goes. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm doing whatever I have to do. But man, fucking hire a sound person. Yeah, yes. Kickstart the fuck out of that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, they're they're, they're reasonable. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not going to ask for a million dollars. Well, but the thing is, like, again, it's a major part of what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. And I think that we all, we all, so many of us can ramp up the the professionalism that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing a short, if you, when you're doing a short, spend the fucking money. Because that short will, will yeah. lead you towards something else. Mm-hmm. And it always has. And it, it's... it's it's never a good idea to say to someone, here's the short I made that I wish could be better. Right. <laughs> you right. know, this is a short I made that I love. And here's another one. It came uh, out just how I wanted it to come out. Uh, the sound isn't good, but we're, we're going to remix the sound. Like, you know what? Give it to me when the sound is good. Yes. Because all that I'm going to keep looking at is going, no, that's fucking horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Somebody asked me to, to, to uh, give a, a, um, a sound bite or whatever, like mm-hmm. a, 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 a quote, quote, a pull quote for their documentary mm-hmm. and I watched it and it was unwatchable oh. the sound was great but it's like who are we following here what's mm-hmm. happening who are we following here and she and I didn't get back to her and then she you know because I watched it and I was like uh, I'm sure she has somebody else to do that <laughs> and eventually she said what's happening how'd you like it I'm like let's talk on the phone <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here and and with all due respect yeah I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. And if you're weeks away from releasing this, know that this guy doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And she went, and I heard silence. And I went, are you okay with that? She said, I'm talking to my producer now, say put everything on hold, and we're doing another cut. Wow. 11 o'clock at night, she calls, she, but 
I'm sorry. Yeah, but did I mean? You, if you're like a not a good friend, you say, "Oh, it's great. Good luck with it." I wasn't a good friend of this person. Yeah. I don't even really know this person. Yeah. But if you push me, I will be honest with you. Yes. Because you're coming to me, and this is another thing about improv, is about being an improv teacher, mm-hmm. is you learn after a while, nobody likes to sugarcoat. Nobody yes. fucking likes to sugarcoat, especially if they're paying for the class. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody likes to sugarcoat. Yeah. Nobody likes a sugar jacket or even a sugar shirt. You <laughs> no. know what I mean? No. Sugar, a sugar down coat? Nobody's no. going to want, nobody's no. going to want that. Too thick. Too thick, and also, down in sugar? Why? No. Okay. Nobody's eating sugar feathers. You're just gonna suck out the sugar and blow out the feathers. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna suck out the sugar and blow out the feathers. And by that time, you really can't blow out the feathers. No. Because you, you can go. They're all mixed together. And they're all mixed together with saliva. <laughs> yeah. Sugar feathers. No, thank you. Worst candy ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be. Although to be... I, I think I think if if you put you put dark chocolate on, on feathers, my girlfriend would eat it. Really? Yeah. She loves that dark chocolate. She does love that dark chocolate. But the idea of people really wanting, I want to know your opinion mm-hmm. and to learn how to go, to learn how to say, um, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. And if you really want me to give my opinion, I'm going to tell it to you. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's, you know, professional writer for TV, I get scripts. I, I, I uh, talk at uh, Temple University has a uh, program out here where people intern. And they have people come in and talk to them, and I've talked to them a couple times about writing and what it's like to be a writer in a writer's room. And, uh, they're all college kids, and they say, "Can I send you a script?" And I always say yes because you know I felt I was helped to get into this industry, so I want to pass that on. It's also mentoring, which is yeah. really an important part of what we do. But my before I even get the script, I always say, uh, "You can send it to me, and I will give you notes that are real and honest." I can already tell you, I'm not going to like. It. It's not going to be good. I don't know what the first thing Shakespeare wrote, but I'm sure it wasn't uh, very good at all. Because right, it wasn't Hamlet. Yeah. If I, if you want to be a writer, it's not, can I write a good script right now? It's, can I write the six crappy scripts I have to write to learn how to do this to get to the seventh one that's good? And you could send me the first one, and I'll tell you, you know, what's wrong with this one, but you still have to write the other shitty ones and get those out. To get to the seventh one, or the eighth one, or the tenth one, that's like, oh, now you know what you're doing. Right, right, right. Uh, Like, I've always been a good joke writer, and that's what kept me from getting fired from, according to Jim, is that I always was there with a a joke when the, you know, when we're in front of the audience on a Friday night and a scene just dies, and like, we need jokes. Uh, I could come up with two or three and, and it would help. So you're on the sidelines and you're watching it and you're watching the audience, you're watching the actors and you're watching Jim. Yeah. And you're going, you're watching all, you're watching Belushi and you're going all the, like, mm-hmm. oh boy, okay. And as that happens, you probably have a, an immediate kinesthetic response going, I know how to fix that. Yes. Well, hopefully you, you'll have been thinking about this through run throughs and stuff, but there's some things you're like, no, this joke is rock solid. And for some reason, the audience just doesn't respond to it. Uh, and you're like, oh shit, we gotta change that. We gotta change it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you know, you look down and uh, the the director will say cut, and everybody will huddle, and we're like, all right, what, what, what? and then like three or four people will say things out, and somebody will say something, and everyone laughs. Yes, go. Is that is that is that one of the absolute most wonderful things about that job? Yes, I would uh, imagine. Yeah, the first the first time that happened was uh, I just started working there, and it was exactly what. Happened. A joke died, uh, and I, I pitched something to John Stark, who was the showrunner and the guy who hired me. 
uh, and the guy who I owe everything to, John Stark, I owe him all, it all. Uh, I pitched him the joke, and he laughed. Uh, and then he got up and he ran to the director. And I heard him whisper. I saw him whisper, and the director laughed. And the director ran over to Jim, whispered to Jim, and Jim Jim laughed. And then they said, "Action!" Jim said the line, and everyone in the audience laughed. And I was like, "It's going to be seen by 10 million people," and uh, or whatever it, it is. God and that was like, it. "Okay, right? That's good. That's fun." Oh my God! I totally I, I get that because when I, when I was directing the uh, Second City Main Stage show or any directing that I've done, where you give a joke you, because you're like the head writer, mm-hmm. and you give a joke, you give a joke, or you, you you create a laugh. Let's just yeah. say that you create a laugh, and the audience loses it, and you're sitting back there, and you're just going, "That's mine. <laughs> I did that. That's mine. I did that. That's mine. I did that. Yeah, that's mine." He just said it. He just, he just said it. And people later on go, you're so funny. It's like, mm, yeah, he might be. <laughs> I, think, I think we know better. Uh, there was one joke uh, I wrote that uh, I had to fight to get it in because people didn't really get it. And it was uh, Dan Aykroyd was a guest, and uh, he played a highway patrolman who had gotten in trouble at work. Uh, and Jim says, uh, did they fire you? And Dan says, no, I have to go around to high schools with a puppet. Uh, and I love that joke. Because he's just picturing Dan Aykroyd, you know. Hi, <laughs> exactly. kids. I'm, this is Officer Woodenhead. Uh, and people were like, puppet? What is it? Like, touch him? Where he, no, no, no. Not like a touch me. Where wow, people really think that. They do. Uh, but uh, I said, let's just, can we just see it? So we saw it in Run Through. And Dan Aykroyd put like a little, a little mustard on it. Uh-huh. And like... The run-through stopped because people were laughing so loud. Oh, my God. And it's, you know, it was 80% Dan Aykroyd being Dan Aykroyd and being very funny. But the I felt really vindicated. And uh, John Stark says, whose joke was that? And uh, handing it. Like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> so so he's not, so John Stark isn't, he's he's not in the writer's room while that's happening? Or that? Uh, we that? usually, most, especially on network shows where they have a decent-sized staff, uh, they will split the room into uh, one room for breaking news stories and one room for rewriting. What's breaking news stories? Uh, usually, you go into the season with maybe 10, of a 24-episode season with 10 stories ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you, you have 14 more to go uh-huh. while you're shooting the, the first 10. So uh, if you and I are in a writer's room and there's... Seven, you know, ten other people. It's like Dave take five people, and go re- rewrite this week's script I while see. the rest of us stay here and come up with new stories for. So you're calling that like sending me off? You're talking about news? No, new new stories. New stories. Oh, I'm sorry. Got it. New stories. Badly. New stories. No, it's all right because I got my my, journal, my journalism yeah. background. Kicked <laughs> in. So, I understand. New stories. Probably everybody else is going. Dave. He said new stories. Clearly, not new Dave. stories. Clearly, Dave. Got it. Working on new stories. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, it's very topical. Yeah. So, oh, now, now, as you're telling me this, did, how, I, I think about the learning curve of anything. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about the, the Zoom, the, the digital recorder right here. Mm-hmm. And there's a learning curve. And so what's the learning, like, there's a, are, are people helpful when you just first get staffed? I think it's like, uh, you know, you, you read stories about World War II where the new guys, no one wants to make friends with the new guys right. just in case they get killed. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> so right. That, He's going to fuck you up. My first couple weeks uh, were a little bit like that. But uh, on the first day I had a couple, I was like, I'm going to make myself pitch. I was very nervous. 
You're uh, going to make yourself pitch. I was going to make uh -huh. myself pitch jokes. Uh -huh. Uh, even if every one of them got shut down, I was going to make myself at least try to do the job that they hired me to do. And I had four jokes in the script by lunch. Uh, and a guy named Rob Cohen, who I thought was clearly the funniest guy on the staff there, um, as we're walking out to lunch, said, uh, those are really funny pitches. I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this job. But still, there was, there was like a little, like, I was John's friend. Because I, I got hired because I was John's friend from improv. They actually hired... Uh, <laughs> When he came in, he said, I, I have a show picked up, um, Untitled Jim Belushi Project. Uh, if you guys, he said to the other people in our improv group, if you guys want to send me some scripts, I'd love to hire one of you guys. So I wrote a script. He was in the company with you. He was in, yes. he was in, he was in the he Transformers? Still yeah, he still is. Uh -huh. uh -huh. uh, and uh, so I wrote a, a Everybody Loves Raymond spec script. Uh, and him and his partner, Tracy Newman, read it and said, uh, the jokes are great. Uh, you seem to have the characters' voices down. The story is awful. I was like, oh, okay. So I'll just, he's like, yeah, throw it out, start a whole new story. So I did that. Uh, and he said, jokes are great. You really have the characters down. The, the story is worse. <gasps> and I was like, oh, okay. So let me really, so I read a couple books on story and buckled what down. books? Uh, um, Art of Dramatic Writing by Lagos Igri. Mm -hmm. uh, story by Robert McKee. Uh -huh, right, of course. Uh, I've, I've read others since then, but those, those are two uh -huh. really good ones for young writers out there. Uh-huh. Uh, and I came back a third time, and it was the same thing. So he hired uh, a guy from, from cartoons, a guy who had been working in animation. Uh, and I was like, damn it. Um, so I went back to my receptionist job, and he called me three weeks later and said, yeah, I had to fire that guy. He was lighting fires all over the place. He was just pissing people off. Uh, so he, he was a guy, he was a private on the front line who was yeah. pulling everybody into the battle. Yes, yes. Right. He, was, he was endangering exactly. our, our brave heroes on the front lines <laughs> of the sitcom world. Uh, so I got hired. Uh, he said, you start Monday. So I went in and I started Monday, September 10th, 2001. Uh-huh. <gasps> no! Yeah, so, so the next day was very weird, obviously. Uh, but we still wrote, here's an interesting story. We, we, we wrote uh, that day, we wrote comedy for Jim Belushi on, on September 11th. You did? Yeah, 2001. Because for me, it was, a, uh, I, uh, you know, I was doing my acting, mm -hmm. actor thing. Right. And I was supposed to meet Tamara Bick. You mm -hmm. know, tomorrow. tomorrow and I were supposed to meet, and Katie, I was married at the time, and Katie mm -hmm. got a phone call uh, saying, because she worked downtown, uh, uh, don't come into work today. Mm -hmm. Nobody's coming into work today. Nobody's coming into work today. And Katie asked this woman what happened, and she went, oh, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go find that out yourself. And I, it, I don't know how anybody was able to work that day. Yeah, well, we, we did it by... There was no TV or radio or anything allowed, no internet. It's like, we'll just, we'll get through today and then we'll go home and... Um, but Disney called and said, um, it's up to you, to John Stark, it's up to you if you want to do a show this week or not. He said, well, then obviously I don't want to do a show because A, we're not going to have any kind of audience is not going to want to laugh, and B, the cast and crew are, you know, all devastated by this. And Disney said, great. And they called back an hour later and said, you know what, insurance is not covering this, so we need you to do a show. Wow, insurance. Yeah. They have... If so insurance would cover if, if, the, if the building exploded. Yes, if, if there was some kind of... Structure. If that building exploded, yes. not if those other yeah. buildings exploded. But uh, we were doing pre-shoots on Thursday, uh, and there was a scene where... Thursday Jim, being the 11th? Uh, 13th? Okay, fine. Because I started on Monday oh, the 10th. Oh, okay, fine. 11th, right, 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 right. Uh, okay. So the Thursday we do pre-shoots and we shoot on Fridays. Uh, so we did a pre-shoot on Thursday. And, uh, it was a bathtub 
Jim surprises Courtney and Thorne Smith in the bathtub. Uh, so he did it, but the floor was wet, and she slipped, and she broke her wrist. Insurance does cover that, so we didn't have to do a show. So Courtney took one for the team there. Wow. Yeah. But isn't that weird that September 11th, insurance says, no, sorry, you have to do a show. Oh, Courtney Smith hurt herself? Okay. Right. But okay. it's also we'll one is, see, it's really interesting because for me, I look at both those things and I think the, the, the reason that y'all wanted to not do it was a truth reason. Mm -hmm. The reason that you ended up not doing it was a fact reason. Yeah. So insurance companies deal with fact. Yeah. And because I, I think so much about the difference between fact and truth mm -hmm. and how all those things really alter what it is that we're doing. Yeah. So she, it was not a fact. Insurance can't deal with fact. Business doesn't deal with, I'm sorry, business deals with fact. Right. Business does not deal with truth. Mm -hmm. If your feelings are hurt, there's no insurance to that. Yeah. You know, where you get, although there should be. Mm -hmm. There could be. It's, you know, it's, if your feelings it's a strong hurt, motivator for people. It certainly is. It should to be go, factored I, into their equations. Exactly. I will, I will give you not life insurance, not health insurance, but self-insurance. <laughs> you know, so we're, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure, now how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. But, you know, so it's sort of like mental health insurance. Maybe that's what dark chocolate is. When you're feeling bad about yourself. Exactly. You invest in dark chocolate. <laughs> exactly. When or when you're bad. feeling good about yourself because it's preemptive. Yeah. Like really kind of, you know, take yeah. care of yourself before you think I that you're going to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I should take some of it. I can mm -hmm. take some of that. The idea of vitamin C too. But man, I, I look back on that time and it was probably four or five years of what the fuck's going on. What yeah. the fuck is happening. And that's why, I mean, the, the Daily Show at that time was like, it, it's, it's a great show. All the time, but for those couple years, it was indispensable because it was the only media outlet that was not, you know, completely like terrified of, of saying the wrong thing. Right. Uh, you know, like all the network news, all the newspapers were like uh, America, America. Right. Because they felt they had to. It was. I, I remember being in my car. I remember having the two dogs in the car and going to. Uh, there's a uh, there's a dog park in Silver Lake and and pulling into the dog park in Silver Lake and, and them, uh, it, was, it was Congress having a, it was the members of Congress talking about, should we go to war? Mm -hmm. And it was live from the Senate. And Senator Robert Byrd, uh, Democrat, uh, West Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, who, former Ku Klux Klan member, mm -hmm. totally turned around. Yeah. He was on the floor of the Senate and he was giving a speech that was essentially quoting Cicero and, mm -hmm. and saying how we were, we're dangerously coming close to this thing and we should have no business going there. And I remember the two dogs in the car going, we're across the street from the fucking dog park, what the fuck is going on? And I'm mm -hmm. sitting in the car crying, going, Thank God somebody's here. Yeah. And it requires such skepticism. We have to be skeptical. Mm -hmm. And, and, it, and it, it's one of the things where if somebody says, and internet's so great about that because you go, there's a fucking website. I'm not even going to give the name of the website, but it will have in quotation marks, it'll have a picture of Sarah Palin and in quotation marks, this ridiculous thing that she said. Mm -hmm. And then I look it up. She never said that fucking ridiculous thing. Uh -huh. It's a shitty satire site. Yeah. So it requires me and anybody else to be skeptical in this world. Right. To go, you know what? That face value, you know, I could look at it and take it for face value, or I could say, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important to be curious. Especially about the internet. <laughs> right. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a great resource, but there's a lot of crap, a lot of bullshit. So much bullshit. And isn't it interesting how much time it takes mm -hmm. away from us? 
Yeah. Like looking around and listening. Yeah. I start whenever I, you know, I, I try to write every day, but I, I always start with like, oh, let's see what the... Oh, Reddit? Oh, Reddit's got it. I got to see what... See, I don't even go... I've never Reddited it. I've no? never Reddited. I've never Reddited. I'm it's, just afraid. Uh, like, I don't need to do that. Yeah, you can, you can disappear down that road. I know. It really, really is. And for me, I always look at it and go, that's hard for me to read. Yeah, a lot of people say that. It's a like the the diagonal quoting mm -hmm. thing, you know. Uh, but I think it's really it's. Uh, so what is your regimen? Uh, uh, for writing, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I uh, I like to <laughs> I like to write in coffee shops, but I I also like white noise. Yeah. So I have uh, uh, like a uh, playlist of rain on a roof, uh, uh, waves, and just. And one of them is coffee shop, so I will often be in a coffee shop listening to another <laughs> mythical coffee shop. That's that's that is so know. that is so meta. I don't even know what the fuck <laughs> yeah, to do. I don't either. I, I I realize the ridiculousness of it as I'm doing it, but still, it's like okay. It's oh my god, that's the most meta thing. Yeah, but I because don't know in, if I'm listening to the real coffee shop, then I'm I'm actually following conversations over here. Right, right. But if you know that there's faux, it's just like a clinking of glasses. Yes, exactly. And, the, and that's the, what I want. The foamer. And I don't want if it was like in a language I don't speak. If it was like you know in the turkey or something. That would be perfect. I have to pick the, la, 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 la. But here's the thing. I really got to pick the language. If, if there's going to be a background language, I have to pick it because uh -huh. I'm afraid it's going to be Vietnamese and I do know some Vietnamese people. Uh -huh. It is, the for me, the most violent sounding language. Like, you could be saying, I love you, and mm -hmm. it sounds like, why did you fucking stick a, why did you, why did you stab me in my asshole uh -huh. <laughs> with that twig? Yeah. And I'm going, hey, hey, calm down, everybody. It's By the way, in, in Italian, why did you stab me in the asshole? Sounds beautiful. It does, but that's a whole thing. It's an opera. It's I a think. whole thing. Why did you, you stab know, me in the asshole? Laura will tell me that she, she'll say that she loves me in in German, uh -huh. and it really sounds like okay, I'll get in line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right. I'm an asshole. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna get in line. It's like what what happened? What happened? But I, I would have to be that. It would mm -hmm. have to be that. All right, let's stop there. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was great. <laughs> Just a side note, Harry recently married my dear friend, actress Susie Nakamura, and their union has created one of the most awesome comedy power couples in Los Angeles. Susie, by the way, has just been cast in Dr. Ken, playing Ken Jong's wife. Congrats, Mr. and Mrs. Nakamura. <laughs> ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Thanks, Laura Parker, my co-producer. My dear friend, musician extraordinaire, Al Rose, for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And you, our listeners, if you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? You don't think it helps, but it helps. And if you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your space shuttle launch, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears. <laughs> <laughs>